Hello, what's this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio? I'm Rob Parkson, and we're here talking all things sport in Salford. Join the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil in Detail. The end of the rugby league season for Salford was a bit bittersweet at the weekend. It's been a season of struggle, but uh, no, we're going to miss that now for the next few months. But there's plenty more sport to talk about. And then we've got boxing coming up this week, the big week with uh, Anthony Joshua. There's loads and loads of football as well. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, to chatting all about it with you. Yeah, lots and lots to talk about. On the sports zone this week, we're going to start uh, with the football. And we'll start with Man United. They uh, were in Europe midweek. Uh, the loss to Young Boys 2 1. Um, Wan Basaka sent off, uh, and the Jesse Lingard mistake uh, sends Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's men to defeat. Yes, it did do, and uh, an unexpected defeat as well, really, Rob. Not many people uh, expected that. So, uh, so yeah, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, the Champions League can be a tough competition, can't it? And I know some sides are maybe not as well known as others, but you know when you enter that competition, you've got to be on your A game every week, haven't you? Otherwise, you'll you'll come unstuck. And uh, Manchester United did in that game, so uh, they've got a bit of work to do now to uh, to, uh, to to turn things around in the in the in the competition. Yeah, obviously getting defeat um, for all his men this early in the competition puts everything on a bit of an eye fetch now, Paul, because obviously you can't afford to drop any more points. Well, that's right. That's right. It, it can be tight in the, those groups and, and you, you can't. You're right there. You can't afford to drop any more points and, and you are. You're, you're behind the eight ball a bit now. Slightly. I know that was an away fixture, so... The, the the home games now are going to be uh, be paramount. They need to win those games, and um, you know they need to just to, to start straight away really with the next Champions League game. I'm not sure who they face next in the Champions League, but no, that was a disappointment. That and Ollie will uh, will have been disappointed. The supporters were as well, and um, no, it just shows you you can't take anybody for granted in European football. You know these these sides are going to turn it on, and especially when they're playing a side like Manchester United, they're going to raise their game, and it's uh, well that's no disrespect to, to young boys, but. You know, they're going to raise their game for a, for a match like that, and, and they did, and, and they got the result. So uh, you know, United had a lot of chances in the game, but uh, but no, a surprising defeat. But now the work, you know, the hard work begins. Now you've got to turn that round and, and bounce back from it. Yeah, they obviously in the Premier League uh, this weekend they beat West Ham two one away from home. Uh, Jesse Lingard scored the winner, made up for his uh, mistake on the on the weekend on the week. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It was a good result at West Ham as well, and uh, I think they faced West Ham in the Caribou Cup. Don't they coming up soon as well? Yeah. And um, you know, good result down there at London Stadium. You know, West Ham have started the season pretty well. They're tough to beat down there. And it was a tough game, wasn't? It? I mean, the penalty. The, the Mark Noble I think came on to to take the penalty, didn't he? And uh, saved by by De Gea. So the game was on a bit of a knife edge there. But to come away from that, I think they've probably been pleased with the point down there. But to come away with three points, I think Ollie will be delighted with that. So it's a really good result, and uh, it's one that's going to uh, send him in a bit of uh, confidence now with the games coming up. I think Villarreal is the the next Champions League game, so that's going to be a tough game. They've got Atlanta as well in, in the group, so uh, that's a that's a tough group that for them. So uh, some tough games coming up as well, like I said, with West Ham in the cup this week. Yeah, David Aheya with a last-minute uh, penalty save. Paul, obviously, we talk about how good of a goalkeeper he is, um, but moments like that it shows why he's pure gold, and he has been for Man United over the years. Yeah, certainly, certainly, yes, he's been a, he's been a, a top goalkeeper, hasn't he? And um, you know, it's things like that can have uh, can have big saves on, on, on seasons, can't they? And United start to the season has been pretty good, really, hasn't it? You know, with thirteen points already um, up at the top end of the table and. You know, West Ham, as I said before, are no mugs either. So to get go there and get that result, there's an awful lot of pressure on that situation there at the end of a the game. 
and uh, to come away with three points rather than two with a cracking penalty save, you know that that that's going to uh, send United in with a lot of confidence now. So a great result, you know. On a knife edge, as I said, Hearts were in mouths there, weren't they? Late on in the game, your know, last-minute penalty save, but uh, but no, that's going to do them the world of good in, in the confidence as well, and a good weekend for United as well with City dropping points. So uh, so as it's been a good weekend on the red side of Manchester. Yeah, it's kind of game that Man United sort of recent history uh, drop points in. So to win it uh, sends a message out for me to the likes of Man City and and Liverpool that this Man United side are, are made of different. Uh, stuff they're able to grind out a result and, and nick a result when needed, and that's important in any team that are challenging for a Premier League title. Uh, they're able to get points when they're not necessarily due one. No, well, that's right. Well, it, it's been a good solid start to the season. I mean, the Wolves game um, a couple of weeks ago that was a tight game, wasn't it? They got a 1 0 result there. I know Southampton was only a draw away from home, but you no, know, two wins and a, a draw in the away fixture so far this season is, is, is a good return. At Old Trafford, they've been, been phenomenal, haven't they, with a 5 1 win and a 4 1 win. So if you can keep turning teams over away from home, and teams are going to find it difficult to go to Old Trafford there's no doubt about that the, the cauldron atmosphere there and the whole thing with the Ronaldo signing they're going to create chances and they're going to score goals aren't they at home there's no doubt about that so if they can keep turning up and, and, and nicking points and, and, and taking victories away from home they're going to be right up there challenging so a real good start to the season and uh, and yeah alright a bit of a blot, blot on the copy but they're losing to, to young boys but that's a lesson that they need to learn now in, in Europe and that's going to put pressure on them and hopefully going to make them perform better in the, the upcoming Champions League group games yeah, domestically, Paul, they're still unbeaten in 29 games away from home. That shows you how good this team is. Every championship winning side uh, can go away to teams and get a result. They've always had that problem with uh, recent history in Old Trafford, not being able to, to break teams down and, and drop points at home. But, you know, if they can, they can fix that and continue the good farm away from home, then they are a real title contender. Well, yeah, and as I just said there, I mean, the two home games so far, 5-1 and 4-1 against two sides that are, they're not rubbing rags out the Leeds and Newcastle, probably two sides that are maybe in the lower lower end of the table, but they created an awful lot of chances in both those games and, and converted them as well and scored goals, so two goals again at the weekend against West Ham, so they've proven they can, they can score, they can create chances, and that's a dangerous thing, I mean, if you ask a lot of United supporters are they happy with the squad? They probably say yeah. I mean, maybe one or two players short, and there's always the January transfer window for that. But at the moment, I think they'll be, they'll be pleased with the start that they've made. I mean, you look at the start Manchester City have made; they've they've been a bit in and out, haven't they? And uh, I know Liverpool have started well, so there's an awful long way to go in the season yet. But they'll be confident that they can do well and be up there challenging. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, next two games: uh, West Ham in the EFL Trophy, and then Aston Villa at home. Uh, like I said before, the home form will be important. Aston Villa are a team that are going to come to Old Trafford and try and sort of steal a point. So it's up to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his men to break them down and get the win. If you can, you know, go away to West Ham, you know, last week and, and win and then cement that by winning at home to Aston Villa, that's that's definitely a, a kind of a championship winning form when you can go back to back in uh, in tough games like that. Yeah, that, that Aston Villa game's got to be down as a home banker, really, hasn't it? You've got to go and win that game, and there'll be odds on favourites to win that. But Villa, you know, they've made a good, solid start to the season, haven't they? They've, they've took a couple of victories and a couple of draws so far to the to the season. So they'll come, as you say, and 
no disrespect to them, but they, you know, a draw is probably going to be a, a good result for them. So they're going to uh, going to sit back, really, aren't they, and, and try and, and try and play for that. So it's up to United to break them down and, and, and create chances. But they've got the flair there and the players to do that. So I'd be expecting them to win that. The, the, the cup game against West Ham is going to be a tough ask. There's no doubt about that. Cup football is, is always difficult, but you're expecting some good performances though coming up now. And I'd say the Villa game definitely a result on the cards there for United the way they play. Yeah, let's move on to our other local club, Salford City. Uh, they were away at Tramere, lost to 2-0, uh, Paul. Abu Tori was sent off for a high challenge. Uh, and obviously, when you're down to men, it is a bit of a struggle. Uh, Jake Spearing was sent off for Tramere. So there was a bit of a needle in the game. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, Salford go down 2-0. Well, yeah, it's a, this is another disappointing result for Salford, really. And it's been a... Been a funny sort of start to the season, really, for them, hasn't it? I mean, it's a tough league that we've we've mentioned it a few times, haven't we? About how difficult it is that league too. There's some some good sides in there, and uh, Tranmere have spent a bit of time outside the football league and have come back in and and have, have done okay at the start of their, their their sort of journey back into to you know league football. But Salford, eight points from the first eight games, it, they would have been looking for for a lot better than that, really. And I think it's been a disappointing start for them. And, I believe they didn't create too much in that game at Prenton Park on, on Saturday against Tranmere. And that's uh, that's one thing they're, they're lacking at the moment is goals, isn't it? So, uh, so yeah, another another disappointing day, really. Yeah, this is what Gary Bowyer had to say, the uh, Salford uh, City coach, uh, after the defeat at Tranmere. A difficult afternoons, I think, the way to summarise it. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts at full-time? Because there were a number of adverse circumstances, I think, to today's proceedings. I think you're, you used the... Probably the best word. Difficult afternoon for us. Um, uh, I think you know sometimes the game uh, gets taken away with you with decisions, uh, and today that that's been the case. The first turning point being it be red card. Really, what was your thoughts on that? Well, I think the first the first one is the penalty. You know, uh, handball. It's like it's flashed across. Uh, we get told in the summer about this handball rule changing. I think if there was VAR here today, then it wouldn't have been given because he's, he's not made a deliberate attempt. His arms by his side there as it's flashed across. Um, so that was the first one. Um, we've, you know, the 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 the, the sending off we've seen of, of Ibi, um and you know the, the, there is actually no contact. So majorly disappointed with that, um, but uh, you know, take those decisions aside. Today we, we haven't been good enough. You made a couple of tweaks and a couple of close chances, but is it just a case of that final ball at times and actually trying to get the ball in the area? Yeah, definitely. I think um, you know we we were we looked like we were in a rush to get back into the game and, and snatched at things. Uh, and when we, you know, we created a couple of good openings, uh, you know, we, we then made the wrong decision in terms of whether it was a pass or whether it was a shot. I think once again, uh, just highlight Kingy. You know, he's close on the penalty. He's made a couple of other saves at important times, and then obviously the second goal saw it off, and they didn't really do much else but called upon when needed. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, he's in a he's in a good vein of form for sure. Um, but like you know, we, we've got to. We've come here today, and I'm, I'm not pleased with the manner of both goals. To be perfectly honest, two changes, no Hendo or uh, Connor Mack. Uh, was that a big influence? Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. To lose, you know, two players that I think that scored 18 and 17 goals last season 
um, is obviously a loss for us, but um, what it does do is it provides an opportunity for somebody else. And a week to work for Northampton. Uh, yes. You look forward to getting the lads back in and move uh, on. Exactly. We, you know, that's it. We've got to we've got to debrief this one properly um, and then go from there. So that was Gary Bowyer talking, uh, you know, to the press after the defeat, uh, and he said it was a difficult afternoon. Paul, the sending off changed it, and he feels if there was VAR at the lower division uh, clubs, uh, it would have been different. Unfortunately, there isn't, um, and he has to go away and lick his wounds. Yeah, well, that's right. I think there's no point in, in even mentioning that, really, because it, it's not there, is it? So there's no point in talking about that and finding excuses like that. So you've just got to get on with it. There's no VAR, so you, you've got to do the business on the field, haven't you? And they've got some tough games coming up. I think Northampton is next up for them. We were up there at the top end of the table, and that's going to be another test for them. But I don't know how, how long do, do the, the people at Salford give Gary Bowyer. I mean, they, they want results this season, demanding results. They, they've sort of pushed the boat out and, and strengthened the squad again, haven't they? But they're just not getting results. So I don't know what the answer is, Rob, at the moment. But Salford are, are nowhere near good enough their performances this season so far. And, uh, you know, it's going to be another, another disappointing season if, if they don't turn things around quickly. Yeah, Northampton at home. Salford are 17th, Northampton are 4th, Paul. But Salford out at home. That's the uh, Peninsula Stadium. The crowd there will be, uh, you know, on top of uh, Northampton. Hopefully, they'll be the extra man uh, and carry Salford home to a home win. Yeah, you'd like to hope so. You'd like to hope so. They've had a couple of good results at home this season, haven't they, uh, so far? So, um, you'd expect them to, to perform in that one. And there's going to be pressure on that game now. But... You know, they're not a million miles away from the playoffs. I mean, we talk about playoffs and league positions. The season's only just started. There's an awful long way to go. But it's one of those, what are they at the moment now, looking at the table? What, four points off the off seven, which is Port Vale, playoffs places. So it's only one win, two wins. Uh, but you, you've got to... You've got to get up there, haven't you, and find that consistency. Good before you know it, you can be cut adrift, and you're down there amongst the dead men, and, and, and sort of two teams go down as well. Don't they're not saying that Salford are going to go down, but you don't want to be involved in that sort of scrap at the the lower end of the table, do you? So there's a lot of work to be done there. There's a lot of expectation at Salford, but perhaps sometimes it's all about confidence. You know, if they can start notching some wins off and, uh, and building that confidence, they've got quite a new team as well, haven't they? So they can start putting some wins together. You know, Gary Abouya's job is going to be a bit easier, but. There's no doubt Gary Bowyer does his job. He's been around the leagues, hasn't he? He's had some some pressure jobs before in in sort of a higher level of football in, in higher leagues than what he's in now. So he knows the knows the, the league and the game inside out. So I think he just needs a bit of time there to mould his side and, and get him playing the way he wants him to play. Yeah, let's talk about Man City. In Europe, they were convincing winners against RB Leipzig. They won they won six three. Uh Paul, good way to start the Champions League campaign. Yeah, it certainly was. I mean, speaking to a few Manchester City supporters that I do know, and they were disappointed with the the defence. He said they let some soft goals in, and uh, the defence needs tightening up. But on the other side of the coin, he was very pleased with the with scoring six goals, and it was, I believe, it was quite an entertaining night at the Etihad in the week. So, uh, you know, six three. There's a lot of um, excitement there to to watch, isn't there? But yeah, disappointed with the three goals that they conceded, but. Like we were talking about before, about Manchester United going down to young boys, City got a result there. It's always nice to to get that win in, in the group games, and uh, you know, no, a decent start, but the defence needs to tighten up. Yeah, Pep, Pep Guardiola wasn't happy uh, that the Etihad wasn't full uh, on that night. Uh, there was thirty eight thousand there uh, in Europe. There was fifty one thousand in the Premier League. Is he is it right, and is it fair for him to comment uh, on on fans not attending games? 
Um, it's a difficult one that because um, we get it in rugby a lot, don't we? People having to go at Salford's crowds and things yeah. like that. And when when you are a supporter who goes every week, you, you sort of take it a bit personally sometimes when you're you're actually going. And I don't know. It's I don't know whether the manager should be saying that really. Um, it's it's a point. But it, for for me as an outsider looking in, I sort of think, why is it not full? Um, you'd think people would want to go to the games. I'm not so sure how the ticketing works at Manchester City, whether it's you have to pay extra for those sort of games. But if your side's winning, you think you'd want to be there every week watching them, wouldn't you? So uh, I think I find it a strange mentality sometimes of, of some football clubs. But no disappointing for them. But hopefully people can start going. I think, you know, as well, I mean, I think a lot of crowds have been different in all sports, you know, over the last few months. Things have started to open up again, haven't they, after COVID? And perhaps it's taking people a bit of time to, to sort of get back to going to matches. And I don't know, perhaps people are still a bit worried about it because we've noticed that in the rugby league, the crowds at teams hasn't been as good as what they were pre-COVID on, on a lot of cases. So so I think there's that mitigating factor as well. But I think the Premier League's a bread and butter, isn't it? And there always seems to be bigger crowds for that. So I don't know why people don't turn up for, for Champions League games. But yeah, has Pep got a, a right to question it? I don't know, really. I think perhaps it's something that you you should leave to your uh, your media people to sort out. If you're the manager, just concentrate on uh, on winning matches because you know his team didn't win on Saturday, did they? Couldn't break down Southampton, so you should perhaps you should get questioned about that. But no, it's a, it's a it's a strange one. I don't know why people didn't go to the the Champions League game. Yeah, I, obviously, you know, with the COVID thing, people are struggling financially. Um, it's not like football is accessible and cheap for the majority um it's a, kind of a middle class sport let's be fair now with tickets kind of between sort of 30 pound and and sort of 50 pound it's a lot of money for a family of four to go and and spend on on a night out really um yeah football is is money generated city try the best they try give away tickets and group on and things like that um but i think it was wrong for for pep to come out and and sort of question how, how loyal these fans are because these fans are, are loyal Man City fans they've been through a lot in the whole history of Manchester City they are have, having a real good time of it at the moment uh, with winning Premier Leagues and watching the best players in the world but that doesn't make them earn any more money they'll only have what's in the bank and if they can't afford to get to a game they shouldn't have uh, Pep Guardiola chirping in saying well I know don't feed your kids this week and, and come and watch them on a Wednesday night. Well, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely spot on. Um, and another thing is how, how it, I mean, this is me asking you, how accessible is it to get tickets for football these days? I mean, if I wanted to go to a Manchester City match with my daughters on Wednesday night, could I roll up there? Do I have to apply for a ticket? Do I have to get an access card? Do I have to do this? It's not as easy as it what it was sort of 25, 30 years ago where you could just go and pay cash on the door somewhere, mm. is it? So it, it's different these days. All protocols and all sorts of things, isn't there? So, yeah, I think you're right. And I think you're right about the, the being able to afford things as well. And I don't know. I don't think I managed it. It didn't sit right with me when I heard that Pepper said that. It's not the right sort of thing to say, particularly in the climate we're living in at the moment as well. You know, um, if you're just saying it as a bit of banter, then, then maybe. But 
It is difficult. Uh, like you said, I know a lot of people who, who watch Manchester City and they've watched them through thick and thin. And I think questioning the, the loyalty of some of them, I mean, it's like anything. You've probably got a couple of generations of supporters at Manchester City. There might be people who've only ever known success who've been mm-hmm. watching them a few years. But it's it's all it's all different cycles of life, isn't it? You've got people who've watched them maybe 40, 50 years, then they have watched them through thick and thin, haven't they? So I don't think you really question their loyalty. But, uh, but no, let's hope that the crowd's... You know, do start coming back for for Champions League football because if you get to the final of that competition, you'll be you'll be after a ticket then, won't you? So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it'd be it'd be nice to to, to see people getting back to football, but uh, but yeah, we'll have to see how it goes as the season goes on. Yeah, on Saturday they face Southampton, drill nil nil at home. Paul, a uh, bit shot shy. Didn't really create much. They had a goal disallowed in the in the last minute uh, due to offside. Uh, rally Raheem Sterling getting sort of pinged for it. Um, disappointing, really, for for Pep's men. Like I said before, when we were talking about Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, United nick a winner. Man City failed to nick a winner. Will that be the difference when it comes to the end of the season? Well, yeah. I mean, looking at the seasons of the sort of the top, the top sort of two. The last couple of couple of years in the Premiership, the two sides that usually battle it out, or top three or whatever, they don't drop a lot of points in the season, do they? You're talking maybe half a dozen games, maybe eight games, something like that, where you drop points from. So when you do drop points, those games are highlighted, aren't they, in sort of bold, really, that, that you, you dropped a point there. So two points at home to Southampton is, is, is probably a big thing for Manchester City, really. And, you know, from what I didn't see the game, but from what I've heard and what I've read, the the passing was way off at times, and they just didn't sort of, sort of click. So whether they underestimate Southampton a bit, I'm not too sure. But they, you know, teams are difficult. They're not going to come to to the Etihad or, or Old Trafford, say for both our clubs. They're not going to come and and roll over and make it easy for you. They're going to battle for everything, aren't they? To to, to get that point because they they know what they're coming to face. They know they're coming to face a champion side, so they've got to be switched on. So it's going to be difficult. Manchester City are going to have to be at their best. So. You know, they're not going to steamroll everybody. So, uh, so sometimes, perhaps, yeah, they, they underestimate Southampton slightly, but that's a good point for them. But disappointing for, for City, really. And then it raised the argument again that do they need a striker? I mean, they scored six goals in the Champions League, and that sort of argument goes to bed. But as soon as they don't score the goals, the week before they only won one nil at Leicester and then nil nil against Southampton, people start saying about the striker situation again, don't they? So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's funny sometimes the the debates that can that can come up after a result. Yeah, uh, Southampton had a penalty uh, awarded, then taken off uh, by VAR. Kyle Walker sent off, then returned to the field as well. Um, it kind of shows uh, the sort of the power the VAR has that they can just sort of switch a, a game in an instant. Really, I'm not a big fan of it to be honest with you, Rob. I think it it, it destroys the game in a way. You know, when you you get like the celebrations of goals, and I I think back to. When City uh, won the Premiership, when they beat is it QPR when Aguero scored? I think. <laughs> Imagine if that had gone to VAR, that you, you would lose that that moment of ecstasy, wouldn't you? So, um, so yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. This this sort of re- relinquishing decisions and, and things like that, and checking the video. I, mean, I know, I know you you're looking and searching for the right decision, aren't you? But it does seem to uh, to take a bit away sometimes, doesn't it? You can see on matches now on the television when teams score and. People are a bit wary whether to celebrate, aren't they? Checking you know, to make sure there's no flag or there's no VAR. So, so I think the decisions at weekend, although it's quite dramatic, that you know turning the sanding off round, I think they were the correct decisions. You know, looking at the replays. Yeah, uh, they've got Wickham on Tuesday, the uh, EFL, and then they've got Chelsea um, 
on Saturday. Uh, that'll be a tough contest against Chelsea. Yes, certainly will. Chelsea have been a bit of a bogey side for, for City and I think Manchester United over the years as well, particularly in sort of my lifetime. You know, they were always a difficult side to Chelsea was a difficult side to beat. So uh, so that could, could be a difficult game. Wickham in the cup, you'd expect Manchester City to win that one. Um, I'm not so sure how Wickham are doing this this season. I know they were relegated last year, weren't they? So or was they? I'm, I'm sure they were relegated Wickham or promoted. Mm. They've they've chopped they've chopped and changed leagues anyway. So uh, so yeah, you'd expect City to come through that. But the Chelsea game is going to be a tough test of them, definitely. Yep, so that's all. Uh, no, finally, before we uh, go on f- for the football, uh, Paul, a legend of football, Jimmy Greaves, he passed away uh, on Sunday night. He scored 44 goals in 57 games for England. He scored 357 goals in his career, 266 in 379 games for Spurs. Uh, what, what, what an absolute goal-scoring machine he was. Oh, fantastic goal-scoring machine. I mean, the start of his career at Chelsea, he almost averaged a goal a game, didn't he, before he went to AC Milan. Then his goal-scoring record at Tottenham was absolutely phenomenal, wasn't it? 220 and 3-2-1, as you said. And his goals for England as well. It's uh, Yeah, what a, what a player. And I remember him from being a football pundit myself. I don't remember him as a player as you won't, Rob. He was a bit before our time, wasn't yeah. he? But remember him as a, as a, as a pundit with the, in St. John, the only Saints and Greasy on... Uh, on the on the telly in like the eighties and whatever in the early nineties and uh, yeah what what a character great character Jimmy Greaves and um, great goal scorer I think you no know, he'll, he'll definitely be sadly missed yeah it's obviously our thoughts and prayers uh, with his family and friends at this time so that's all the the football chat uh, Paul and next we're we'll talking ice hockey yes Rob yes um, it's hotting up isn't it the uh, Manchester Storm season now Storm are going through the gears in pre season they play four games. How did they go on? Yeah, they've had they had some good games. Storm, they, they faced Coventry uh, midweek last week. They they won four three on penalties. Uh, the goalkeeper James Downey saved four uh, penalty shots. Uh, tremendous performance from him. They've had a double header against Cardiff uh, this week. Um, on Saturday they were away and lost eight one. The game was much closer than the scoreline. Uh, sort of represents Paul you know both sides testing each other out uh, but to go down 8-1 uh, is, is is probably a bit of a disappointment for Infinity but he's thinking you know it's only pre-season I want to see my how my players are I'm not really that bothered about the result what, what do you think obviously with pre-season it's not always about if you win or not it's just more about the players performance really no, no, you're right. You're spot on. I mean, Salford in the pre-season, we beat Wigan in the pre-season friendly, didn't we? And everybody thought it was going to be fantastic and we ended up finishing second bottom in the league. So it's not all about, you know, pre-season games, really winning pre-season games. I think it's about getting your structures right and getting your combinations right, getting up to fitness. They are what they are, aren't they? Pra- they practice matches, really, aren't they? Friendly games or whatever you want to call them. I mean, they don't go down in, in the record books as being a competitive fixture, do they? Because that, that's what they are, a friendly. And obviously, in a sport like ice hockey, it's going to be competitive because everybody wants to win, don't they? But it is um, it is a case of, uh, yeah, trying things out and, and making sure you're ready and making sure you're 100% ready for when the actual season starts. Second game of the weekend, Manchester Storm went down to defeat against Cardiff Devils at the Storm Shelter in front of a healthy crowd. Uh, they went down 4-3. Goal scorers for the Storm were Dallas Herhart, Cam Critchley and Adam Brady. 
yet. And obviously, they've got three more games to go uh, in their pre-season. They face Coventry in a, in a friendly uh, midweek. Then they've got Sheffield on at home on Saturday in the in the Challenge Cup, which is always a, a competition that Manchester Storm like to compete in. Uh, Sheffield are their main rivals. Uh, they're hoping for a big crowd down at the Storm Shuttle for that. Lots of atmosphere and the players hopefully react to that. And then they're away at Guildford on Sunday. Uh, Guildford are, are a, a good side. Uh, Manchester Storm will be looking to take the, get a result there, though. I have confidence in this squad of players that, that Brian Finney has managed to put together uh, that they're going to get a victory at Guildford there. Yeah, just just going back to what you were saying before about the 8-1 defeat, was that against, was it Cardiff that you said? Yeah. A Cardiff, a sort of side to look out for this season, 8 ones quite, even though it's a friendly game, uh, is Cardiff a side to look out for this season and who are going to be the, the, the contenders for the title? Who are the, who are the teams that are always up there, Rob? Yeah, Cardiff are, are a good side, uh, Paul. You know, full, full, of, full of talent, um, you know, you've got to, you've got to, obviously on the ice, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough sport, and it's more about the squad you've got. And, and Cardiff are, are a team uh, that that can rely on a very good uh, squad rotation. Ryan Finney has brought a lot of good players in. It has to be said, uh, but re- in reality, uh, yeah, the likes of, of Cardiff will, will really, really test. Uh, you know that that sort of ice hockey sort of league uh, Sheffield will be up there as well uh, and you're just hoping obviously Manchester we can we can obviously you know compete in every game and if we can get to kind of a, a sort of a playoff uh, situation then obviously Ryan Finity and he, and his and his players will will be happy. Obviously looking at the other teams as well, Belfast Giants. That's another you know team that has to be sort of watched. Um, Nottingham Panthers are another side, and 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 obviously these these have you know there's no mugs in ice hockey, Paul. There's, they're all good teams, uh, but I'm sure that Ryan Finity has built a squad here that can that can deal with the pressures of intense games week in week out, uh, and I'm sure uh, will be will be looking looking at some fantastic wings in the uh, in the storm show in the next uh, few weeks months uh, to come I can tell by the excitement in your voice, Rob. You, you can't wait to get down to that storm shelter <laughs> and uh, get support in the lads, can you? I can. It's exciting, Paul, and we'll be covering it all on the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. Uh, let's talk boxing uh, now. Um, Manny Pacquiao. Uh, he's gonna. He's going to um, run as president of the Philippines. Uh, Paul, a fantastic boxer, um, doesn't obviously make you a, a, a sort of political figure, uh, but in the Philippines, he is seen as like a godlike figure. Well, he's had a, a tremendous career, Rob. Um, as we were talking about the other week, he was still boxing at the age of forty-two, wasn't he? And uh, had a defeat recently, but yeah, he's done an awful lot for the sport. You know, a, a household name worldwide in the, the sport of boxing. Really, I don't really know a lot about politics and things like that. But yeah, sometimes you know these people can be a, can be a figure to look up to, can't they? So, uh, so yeah, wish him all the best in that. I mean, he seems a decent guy outside the ring and. Sure, he's pretty switched on, but uh, to, to be the president, it's um, it's quite a big step from boxing. Probably a bit of a safer job than uh, than boxing, but uh, but yeah, best of luck to him. It's a surprise surprise story that anyway. Where where do you see Manny Pacquiao in the in the in the boxing uh, sort of greats list? Oh, I think he's I think he's up there, Rob. I think he's been a tremendous boxer, tremendous fighter in his in his time, and you know. Um, 
all the fights he's been in, he's been in some absolutely outstanding fights, hasn't you? Look about the Mayweather fight, and go back to his fight with Ricky Hatt, and he, yeah, he's, he's he's been tremendous and done an awful lot for the sport. And you know, he's been one of those boxers really that's so entertaining to watch. I mean, you throw three hundred punches, Manny Pacquiao throw six hundred. He's just got such an engine on him the way the way he fights and the fitness of the man, the speed of the man. I think he's just been great to watch really. And, you know, he's probably inspired lots of young people to take up the sport in his native Philippines and all over the world as well. So, uh, so yeah, a great character as well. And when he's interviewed him, that really, really seemed a really nice fellow. I've never met him, but seems a really nice fellow. So, uh, so yeah, good luck with him. And you know, that his next venture, like I said, he's going to carry on boxing as well. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, Anthony Joshua is on the card this week. Uh, Paul, are we excited about that? Yeah, he takes on Alexander Usyk, doesn't it? Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London on uh, on Saturday, so that's going to be something that you know Alexander Usyk moving up to uh, to heavyweight. You know, he's um, been tremendous at cruiserweight, hasn't it? We remember his fight with Tony Bellew, where he, he finished him off there, and I believe he's been training uh, training hard for this fight. It's going to be a big step up for him. Not many people have seen much of Usyk, you know, he, with him moving up to fight such a bigger man. He, he sort of kept his head down within really, his, his, his training camp. He's been uh, training with uh, some of Lam- uh, Vasily Lamachenko's team, so uh, it's going to be it's going to be good to see him when he hits the, the you know the scales this week. And obviously, there'll be a lot of press and things like that this week around that. So we'll actually see what he looks like then. And uh, you know, I think it's going to be a tricky uh, tricky fight for Anthony Joshua. Usyk's a you know he's a difficult man to fight. He's a very good technical boxer, and uh, Anthony Joshua is not going to just bit a plow through him. There's no doubt about that. He won't just be able to have this easy uh, and just power through him. He'll have to box and he'll have to be clever as well. So he promises to be very, very intriguing this one. I don't know whether Anthony. I've not seen Anthony Joshua for a while. I would would have thought that he'd be coming in perhaps a bit lower on the scales and, and want to be a bit more mobile and a bit more agile for this fight. But very intriguing contest uh, awaits. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as well. I mean. I've seen that on the telly. It looks a fantastic facility. And that's going to be a great night in London. That I'm not sure how many is going to be there. But I would have thought it'd be more or less a full house. So uh, what a great atmosphere to walk out to on, on Saturday night. And another fantastic uh, title fight. You know, he's boxing for the IBF, WBA and WBO world title. So, uh, yeah, the belts are on the line. And uh, another big test for Anthony Joshua. So Usyk kind of switched weights. Uh, what are the sort of positives and negatives of that for him uh, going to this uh, fight? Well, I always thought he was quite a big cruiserweight, to be honest with you, um, Alexander Usyk. I always thought he could make the step up to heavyweight um, and, and in, in moving up there. He's not a fighter who's, who's going to lump on on the weight easily. I think he's, he, his, his frame was naturally sort of for heavyweight for me. I mean, he, he looks like the sort of guy that can build muscle very, very easily. And, um, you know, he's, he's not like he's coming into this fight with like four four stone of hat on and he's probably put four stone five stone of muscle on um, and he's got the frame to do that um, and he's also got the power as well for the heavyweight you know ask Tony Bell about that and, and, and countless other fighters that he's dispatched uh, in, in recent years so Alexander Rusty I think can, can make that that move up to heavyweight quite naturally and quite comfortably but it's, it's difficult because he's coming in against Anthony Joshua who's a, who's a big man and, and the power that he possesses is absolutely outstanding isn't it so I mean I wouldn't like to take something off Anthony Joshua so probably be an intriguing encounter can he can he cope with that that power of, of Joshua I'd like to say yes I think he, he's a tough customer as he's, he's, he seems to have a good chin to me as well he, he can take a punch and, and there's no doubt he's probably going to get rocked by Joshua on, the, on, on Saturday night 
But uh, Joshua, we've seen before, he's been down in his career. He's been in trouble in his career as well. So, you know, has he improved? Has he got better? Um, I think perhaps he has. And 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 I think he'll, I think he'll beat Usyk. I think he will. But um, I think it'll be a close fight. I don't think it's going to be one of those that's a flash in the pan that goes in the early rounds. I think there might be some boxing in this one. I think it might go a few rounds and and uh, go into the, the deep waters, really. And I think that's what Joshua needs now. I think he needs some big tests, you know, as he gets to the prime of his career. But promise to be a cracking fight. Really looking forward to it. Obviously, with Usyk, Anthony Joshua's looking forward to sort of Tyson Fury. Is, are they similar fighters? Does he see him as like a stepping stone to Fury? Um, I think it'd be a bit disrespectful to say a stepping stone. I think Alexander Usyk's, uh, you know, been, been a, a top fighter, you know, since he come on the scene. Really, he's only had eighteen fights. Let's remember, he's not been around and had like lots and lots of fights at, at pro level. But the people that he's been in with, he's he, he's looked pretty good. I mean, Derek Chisora last time out won a unanimous points decision, and we all know how dangerous Derek Chisora is. Um, so. <laughs> I think Tyson Fury is the fight we all want to see. I mean, without being disrespectful to Usyk, Tyson Fury is at heavyweight level has done the business, hasn't he? He's won the titles, he's defended the titles, he's got off the floor against Deontay Wilder from an absolute wow of a punch and and, and gone back and, and and got the got the draw at the time, wasn't it? So he's he's unbeaten as well. Um, yeah, I think that's the fight I'd like to see. It's two big men, two big solid heavyweights, isn't it? And um, you know they, they put those on the line. But I don't think you can you can never overlook anybody at boxing, and not somebody like Alexander Usyk, somebody as dangerous as that. So Anthony Joshua, for me, if I was his, his trainer or his coach or whatever, I'd be saying don't be looking down the track, just focus on the guy that you're fighting. Then we'll sit round the table, then we'll talk about that fight in, in, in time to come. Because if you start looking overlooking people, it can affect you mentally. And, you know, you don't know how things are going to go. So just get the business done on Saturday night and then uh, take care of uh, whatever business comes next. What does he have to do to win this fight, Joshua? And what can't he do uh, which might result in a defeat? I don't think he can take Usyk lightly. Um, I don't think he can underestimate him. I think there's always the chance of that when you're looking at somebody who's moved up a weight from cruiserweight to heavyweight and you look at the size difference between the two of them because when you see him on the scales this week, you will notice a size difference, especially in the height difference. I don't think he can he can underestimate that. I don't think he will, though, though, Joshua, because if you think about the fight with Andy Ruiz, there was a massive height difference and size difference there and, uh, and Ruiz really rocked him. So I don't think he'll do that. I think the way he wins this fight is just get behind that jab. He's got that long-range jab and that power as well and that's 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 where they'll come into his own he's got to get inside of, of, of Uzik there and, and get him to drop those hands and once he does and um, you've seen it so many times with Joshua people are, fighters are like a rabbit in the headlights and they don't know where the punches are coming from and eventually they surrender to that power so I think that's the way he's got to go but he can't go gung-ho for this one because Usyk's tough he's, he's had a tough training camp there's no doubt about that he'll be prepared for a while and uh, yeah, don't be expecting to get him out there in two or three rounds because I think he'll have the grit and determination to take him into to deep waters. For Joshua, he's got to have that sort of um, that fitness really. He, let's hope he's worked on his fitness in his training camp to do the big rounds because I think he's going to get tucked there this time. And we saw with Ruiz, I don't know whether he had the what's the word I'm looking for. Um, Did any tank? Sorry, mate. Is it stomach for it? Yeah, 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 stomach for it, yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, not, maybe not, not, I don't know, he's, he's a vivid one. Um, don't have the, don't have the fitness really or the, the, the mental strength to, to go those those longer rounds. And you, 
it's difficult when you when you're going into those deep waters with somebody. So I think he might have to do that on the weekend. So we're going to be looking forward to that, uh, and we're talking all about on the sports zone next week. Let's talk rugby league now. Paul, and we'll start with Swinton Lions because last week we missed them. We all will gave you a brief snippet of Swinton Lions last week, uh, but this week we're going to go all in. Um, they lost 26-16 to Widness at home, final game of their season. Um, obviously, uh, they've had a tough season, Swinton, um, and to end a defeat, I suppose they can they can recover from this now and build for the next season. Yeah, well, the game are going to count themselves at the weekend against Widness. Widness not a bad side at all. They've had a bit of a disappointing season, really, but they've got some decent players. And, uh, you know, 26-16 is not, not a bad result for, for Swinton. Obviously, they would have wanted to win the game. But, you know, in recent weeks, they've had some, some good results, haven't they? So, uh, so yeah, it's something for them to build on, something for the coach, Alan Coleman, to build on. You know, he came in and taken over from Stuart Littler towards the end of the season. And, uh, you know, there's something to build on there for, for Swinton Lions. It's been a tough season, though, in that championship. We've only got to look, we've mentioned it before, about the sides in there, you know, like I said, Toulouse and Featherstone Rovers. You know, look at look at Toulouse at the weekend. Um, they went away to Newcastle and scored 80 points in uh, that game there. So, it's men against boys at times in, in that division. And you've got a feel for teams like Swinton. They've not got the financial clout and the, and the players to, to compete it must be very, very difficult. So uh, there's no doubt they've put an awful lot of effort into this season and worked really, really hard. And it's been difficult to get results, but they've they've come come decent last few weeks and and, and got some wins for the supporters. And uh, I think that'll give them a bit of uh, hope going into next year. Now they've got a build for next season back in um, in League One, and uh, there's some tough sides in there as well. At the moment, we don't know quite know who's coming up from from League One yet, but Rochdale Arts are down there, so that'll be a good derby for Swinton next season. And uh, yeah, I think they'll be looking forward to uh, you know hopefully getting a few more wins next season and this season and uh, having a bit more success on the field. Is Alan Coleman coach from the, for next year as well, or was just for this year? And if it is for just this year, do we does he get the opportunity to do next year? I'm not so sure, Rob. You know, you have to forgive my. Uh, Ignorance there. I, I'm, I'm not so sure whether he, he's, he's still there next season. I, I hope so. From what I've been hearing, I think he's done a terrific job, you know, gelling the team towards the end of the season. The team spirit seems to be really good. They've got a couple of good results. So uh, whether he gets the job or not, I'm not too sure. I'm probably the wrong person to ask. I'll do some digging and find out for you this week. But uh, but no, I'm sure we'll be able to find out. And uh, if he is, I think he'll do a good job. I think they've got they've got the makers of a decent side there at Swinton. They probably just. Just not had enough in the tank. Probably not a, a big enough squad this season to compete, and it's been difficult for them. And uh, you know, through no fault of their own, they've they, they've just not been good enough. So uh, let's just hope they can bounce back. I mean, it's a difficult situation. You've got the the tiers in rugby league, and I think that sort of League One to Championship it's a big step. It's a big step up in levels. That when you're talking about the sides that are down, you know in in there, and obviously you've got Lee Centurions dropping back down to the Championship as well. You know, um, and I know they're on about putting a, some sort of legal fight. The chairman said, but you know, if all things go as they should, Lisa should be back in the championship. And you know, look at the, the sort of the finances they they've got compared to some of those other clubs. So it's always going to be difficult to compete. You know, going up from from League One, and you don't get a lot of time to to put a squad together as well. So uh, I think they, they've done well the last few seasons in that that league, come up with some good results. You know, particularly last season had a, had a good season, and perhaps this season has been like a step too far this year, but. No, they live to fight another day and they rebuild next season, and I'm sure they'll do well. Yeah, let's talk about Sulphur Devils uh, now, Paul. Um, the final game at the AGA Bell Stadium this season, they beat St. Helens. A uh, good result for Richard Marshall's men and a good way to finish the season. 
Yeah, it was. It was, especially after the way the game started. St. Helens uh, went into a, to a lead early doors, didn't they, in the game? And they looked like they had an awful lot of pace in that side, and there was uh, there was putting us to the sword. There was no doubt about that. And it looked like we was going to be on the end of a defeat. I think fourteen points to four. There's the the game coasted towards half time, and we got a try from from Matty Costello. You know, we chanced our arm. I thought there two minutes before the break, and to go in fourteen ten. It was the confidence boost that we needed, really, because uh, you know, St. Helens were the better side in that first half. But then we came out second half and three tries in the, the first sort of 10, 15 minutes of the, the, the second half through Atkin, Robson and, and Ken Seal. We blew St. Helens away there, I thought. And uh, yeah, I know St. Helens rested a few players and a few young players out. They also had some experienced players in that team as well. In the second half, though, I thought... I thought we, we muscled up to them a bit more and um, the young players that they did have... We would not say we knocked them about, but the likes of Inu and, and, and Ken Seo, their experience and that toughness that they had, I think we were just a bit too tough there for uh, for those that St. Helens young players. And we got the better of them, really. And, and we ran well, much as we did against Hull a few weeks before. The forwards ran well and we created some chances. I think we could have scored more points. I think at times we, we tried to play like the Harlem Globetrotters. So, uh, you know, if we'd have been a bit more conservative, we might have scored a few more points. But no, we, we definitely deserved the win. And uh, it's nice to finish with a win. You know, it really is. And there was a decent crowd there as well. A lot, lot of kids there. And it was good to uh, to send the, the supporters off with a, with a victory and, and also send off the players that were leaving with a victory. Yeah, you talk about the school kids that were, that were there, Paul. Uh, One thousand three hundred kids uh, from the from the local area. All the schools came. Uh, great for the community. Uh, great the club are trying to involve and involve the community. You know to try and build support. Uh, and you're hoping that they can expand on that and be better next season. Yeah, we need that every week. We need those every week. If we can get two thousand kids there every week, it's a massive, massive boost to your attendance. Um, I know people say, "Oh, you give free tickets away." This other, I'm not bothered. Get get the kids in. You know, when when we were when we were young, when we went to Salford. It was always sort of kids go free and kids for a quid and things like that. I mean, what, why charge people who you know? Get, let's get the children in while they're young, and you know they can they can pay when they're adults, can't they? Get them in while they're young and let them watch the sport that they, they love and let them grow up with it. So I'm all for that and I'm all for having the, the junior clubs going as well. Um, we've got plenty of junior clubs in the area. Let's get them involved in it, with the club. It was great to see all the kids there and happy faces and uh, one, or two, one or two of them went on the pitch at the end, didn't they, I believe, as well, in the pitch invasion. So I think everybody enjoyed it on, on Friday night, which was good. It was a terrific atmosphere at Salford on Friday night. Plenty of noise. I took my daughter to the game and she doesn't often go to rugby league, but she she really really enjoyed it, and I think she'll be going back next season. So uh, so no, it, it's all good. It was a good result, and um, you know it's a, sh- a shame for Kevin Brown who was retiring, but great to see him get the guard of honour before the before the game as well. And I believe he's taking a match ball out of the uh, the grand final, so that's good for him. He's uh, been a great servant to rugby league, and you no, know, one or two players are going to be moving on from Salford as well, aren't they? And it was good to see them get off with a win. Yeah, one man who enjoyed it was Richard Marshall, uh, Salford Devils head coach. And this is what I had to say after the game. Hi, Rick, it's Rob. Hi, Rob. Good win tonight to finish the season. Yeah, it was. It was. We, we, we had to, you know, last week was really good um, for, for different reasons. Um, but, at the, but at the same time, this week, we, uh, yeah, we, I thought we, we took it to St. Helens. We went after them. We limited their chances and opportunities. Uh, certainly in the second half, the first half we didn't have it all our own way, um, but that's a, the measure and the, and, and the character of this group. Uh, it doesn't always go right, but uh, the story of our season is, you know, we we we, we bounce back 
Um, yeah, so a pretty impressive performance. Yeah, it was a tough battle in that first half. Both sides uh, didn't treat it like an end-of-season affair. No, it didn't. No, and I'm glad. Uh, you know, Saints have obviously got eye on the playoffs and the rest of a few key players. Uh, we're, we're basically just playing for pride. Um, but it didn't do us any harm. Uh, I thought we were real professional in our approach this week. Um, you, we'll have some players leaving us and, you know, and there was a little bit there. and We, we had an emotional um, uh, video for Kev Brown before the game. I thought that went down really well. Um, you know, what a player Kev has, has been, not just for Salford, but in, in the, for the rugby league, the community as an international player. Brilliant. So really good that he was banging the drum there at the end. Yeah, second half, the intensity went up and we sped up physically as well. Um, it was good good to see that, obviously, this late in the season that we've got still that got that in the tank. Yeah, yeah, and the, but the, 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 challenge, the challenge for us and myself as coaches to make sure we start the season next year in the same way. And we don't want to we don't want to take a backward step. We want to improve the team, improve the squad. We've got you no know, there's challenges along the way financially and and everything that goes along with that. Um, but I think we had um, you know around five thousand supporters today at this at this stadium, which was monumental, uh, brilliant for us. It doesn't sound a lot in the context of a sporting arena, but for Salford that was a great turnout. And uh, St Helens contributed to that as well. You know we we must applaud and commend them because, uh, as you say, they didn't have a lot to play for, but they they filled that other stand, which was brilliant. Yeah, Connor Ashton made an appearance in the second half. How have you seen his development through this uh, this season? Yeah, it was a late call with Connor. When Kev pulled out, we just thought there's a spot on the bench available. Who could we put in? There was a couple of players we could, um, but we've, we felt he's earned the right. He's been with us all year. I know he's had a couple of stints out on loan, but he's been training with us. And yeah, and I thought he was good. I thought he was good. I don't think he made any errors. I think he, he, he took the line on, he ran well. Um, and yeah, and again, he didn't look out of place in this team. So there's something to build on there. Yeah, for the for the few players that were the last game uh, playing for Salford, how would you describe this group? Yeah, yeah, it's it's we work hard. We we can listen. We need to be smart. We can be a little bit dumb at times. But what we have is, and and I've been encapsulated by this spirit at Salford. It grabs older. Uh, it's the never say die attitude. You never know when you're quite done, and it's and that character has probably got us to a couple of finals in recent years. Um, we we just. If we just added a little bit of quality to our team, a couple of players with a little bit of the X factor, keep hold of our, you know, our, our our players that we want to, and then provide them with a pathway with the junior system. I don't think we'll be too far away. It will take time, um, but I've loved working with this group this year. Um, you know, I've had some dark moments throughout the year, but to, to come through off the back of last week's performance and then and then come and get a win at home, which I think is a fitting end to our season. Yeah, now the off-season starts, uh, you switch from coaching players to trying to entice them in uh, from the transfer market. Are you looking forward to that uh, challenge? Yeah, I think, listen, you know, the league table doesn't lie. We're not um, we're not where we'd like to be. But I think if, if any, you know, prospective players are watching our performances and seeing the spirit that we generate and, and, and at the club and, and the vision... That Paul King and Ian Blees have got, you know, and I'm I'm certainly 100 part of that. Uh, I, I don't think I think we're a, a really good viable opportunity for a lot of players. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of interest, you know, and, and there is. But as I've said all along, we want to keep our own first, um, and, and we'll be announcing some signings over the next couple of weeks. We'll, you know, we 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 really want to start the season next year 
on a high and uh, and hopefully with season ticket sales will go real well and we can we can fill the stadium again. So that was Richard Marshall after the game, Paul, uh, talking about how he enjoyed the game and, and obviously they, they got a lot from it. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I mean, Richard Marshall's had a tough season hasn't he? in charge of Salford. It's been an up and down season. We've both spoke to him a few times, haven't we? And it's been um, it's been tough for him, you know, with all the COVID situation and players suspended and injuries and you know coming into a new club as well. You know, no fans at the start of the season. It's been an awful lot to deal with, and um, I think in a way, probably glad the season's over and he can rebuild now in the close season. But he'll know it doesn't. It's not a nine-to-five job being a coach. It's a 24-hour thing, isn't it? So he'll be frantic now, you know, sorting out transfers for next season and things like that. And I'm sure he'll be ready for another big season in 2022. We've made some exciting signs, haven't we, so far? And, uh, yeah, one season ends and, and we're all looking forward to the next season. Now, it can't go quick enough for some people. No, it can't, Paul. And uh, talking about excitement, uh, players coming in. Uh, Ryan uh, Ryan Braley announced um, he's coming to Salford. A Salford lad. He's played for Lee. He's played for Huddersfield. He's a standoff slash fullback, local lad. Very good player as well. I think he'll add a lot to that Salford team. Yeah, he's a goal kicker as well as Ryan Braley. And you know, watched him as, as a kid coming through the at Lee and under Paul Rowley there. I thought he was a tremendous player and he went to Huddersfield. It didn't quite work out for him at Huddersfield. But that's one reason really. sometimes it doesn't, you know, he coach sometimes plays you in a different position. But every time I've seen him, I think he's been a, a real live wire. You know, good kicking game, good goal kicker, as I said. Plenty of pace and, uh, you know, we've got to give him a chance. I think he'll do a good job for us. We've got Brodie Croft coming in there as well. If those two can perform a good half-back partnership at the club and I'm not too sure of the other Halfbacks who are already at the club. We had Deck Patton, didn't we, last season, who didn't seem to feature much. And O2 all here seems like he's on his way. I don't know if that's been announced or not yet. Um, Kevin Brown's retired, so it's going to be a new halfback partnership, maybe. Chris Atkin, though, he's still at the club, and I think Chris has been tremendous in the last couple of weeks. I thought he was great on Friday night at, um, at the Saints game. So is Ryan going to be halfback? Is he going to be fullback? We're not too sure where he's going to be, but I'm, I'm sure he's going to add a bit to the, the team anyway. He's a, he's a quality player on his day. Yeah, uh, Sebastian Ikifo uh, has announced that he's going back to Huddersfield. He's had two years, I think, at Salford, played 28 games. A uh, good player for us, showed plenty of uh, power up top. Uh, he's one of our bigger forwards. Uh, I think he'll be missed, really. You're hoping uh, that Richard Marshall can bring in a replacement of similar ilk. Yeah, I thought he had a good game on Friday night against St. Helens. We missed him in recent weeks. I know uh, when we played Warrington, there was an awful lot of talk about how many players Warrington had missing. But I think the, the pundits sometimes forget Salford have had a pack of forwards. I've been injured for quite a while now. So uh, you know, all our big men seem to have been injured for the last few months. So it was good to have Seb back at the weekend. And yeah, I think he'll be missed. He's a good player. He's a player that lands on his front. He's got a quick play of the ball. He's very strong. He's a good defender. He's got a bit of pace as well. So yeah, he's been on loan, hasn't he, with us for the last couple of years. So Ian Watson obviously wants him back at Huddersfield and he'll do a good job there but we need to make sure we get somebody in to replace him really because he's going to be missed Talking about uh, people who have signed up for the club uh, James Greenwood signed a two year deal uh, with an option for another year uh, another work another player who works hard Paul and you can't have enough of them in your in your team uh, Richard Marshall I've obviously seen uh, you know promising in this season in uh, James and uh, I'm sure he'll reward uh, Richard's uh, loyalty with the Sunbub performances the next couple of years 
Yeah, I think this, this season he's just struggled with injury, really, James. We've not seen much of him, have we? But every time I've seen him, we've been very, very impressed with him. And if you've only got a look at when he's played, we've had some good results when he's played. So, uh, so yeah, he's a quality player. You know him and his brother. His brother's at Huddersfield, I think, isn't he? And they're both really good players. And um, I'm glad we've got him signed. I'm just hoping he can recover now and get some real good rehab in the close season and we can get some good use out of him next year, get him playing on a consistent basis week in, week out. Because it's difficult sometimes. Like Lee Moss at this season, missed quite a lot of the season, end up retiring. So I think sometimes you get them niggling injuries. You just want to make sure you get to the back of them. So hopefully James is, uh, will be better for next season and, uh, and be playing for us week in, week out. Yeah, the club have also announced they've got a link-up uh, with uh, Queensland club Ipswich Jets. Opportunity uh, for player swaps and staff swaps and, uh, you know, building skill sets. That's the important thing, obviously, for this club uh, to improve both on and off the field. I'm sure, like, Paul King uh, and, and other people in, in that sort of uh, club will want uh, this to, to improve uh, and we'll be able to see it from next season onwards. Yeah, what about it? Um, supporter swaps? <laughs> I don't mind swapping and going being an Ipswich supporter for a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, it sounds great. I mean, I was thinking about that the other day and talked to a few people about it. I think it's great that we've got that sort of initiatives there and it can help spread our name in Australia as well because you know, a lot of Australian supporters might not have heard of Salford and probably all the Wiggins and St. Helens, but might not have heard of us. So, uh, so yeah, I think it's a great initiative and if it helps us swap players with them and coaches and ideas and marketing ideas and all those sorts of things, Things. I think it's a really, really good idea, good initiative. And I think, uh, yeah, hats off to the club for that one. Yeah, we've got 50 seconds to go, Paul. Uh, we'll talk about Salford Devil's new mascot, uh, Diablo the Devil. Dr. Devil has gone, Diablo's in. Uh, you know, I think he looked okay uh, on Friday. Yeah, yeah, very impressed. My daughter loved it. She she loved watching the, the dancers as well. I thought were absolutely outstanding. They always are. And uh, yeah, the mascot looked good. I think, like I said before, it was a great atmosphere Friday night. And that's what, what children and young people want to see, you know, real excitement, real carnival atmosphere. And uh, yeah, I think Diablo added to that. Uh, there was a band in the tent as well. It was a really good uh, atmosphere at the stadium. And you're hoping that Salford can build on that for next season. I bro Parkson, and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat on Salford City Radio.